Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Know the time. Yeah, I feel at home now. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's... that's... <laughs> Don't be surprised if there's a lot of amens and a lot of back and forth. That's just how we do it in our church in the township. Uh, Thank you for reading the scriptures already. Um, Let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for the integrity of your word. Thank you for Red Door. Thank you for what your spirit is doing here, evidently. Um, Thank you for their love for you. Thank you for their love for the city, their love for the lost, their love for people. Thank you for calling Reynard and the team to plant this work here. Thank you that you're still working, you're still growing your work, you're still on the driver's seat. It is evident to see that um, while people may think that Satan is winning, you are at work, oh God. While there's great darkness, there's great light. Thank you for each and every person who's covenanted to be part of this work. Uh, we pray that you may continue, Lord, to, to, to do your work in and through this church to save more uh, I believe I remember Paul's words when, when you said, I have more in this city. And I believe there's more people that still need to hear this. And so we pray now, even as we get into your word, we thank you for your grace. And we pray that we'll experience something of your grace as we begin to just um, minister your word, as we begin to just exalt and get excited over what you have said to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, it's such a privilege to be here. Thank you. Thank you for... All those who come to Mami Lodi, every time you guys come through, the team is so excited uh, when you guys minister. Um, thank you for the food as well. <laughs> uh, thank you for covering that. Um, and, and I mean that. I mean that uh, even as when we are there, there's just something authentic that they say. It's just when Red Door comes through, man, it's, it's, just, it's not just ticking the box. It's, they really love to be here. They love to connect with the people. And I just want to encourage you, please don't stop doing that. It's so encouraging for us. To, um, to get people from outside. Sounds like I'm in prison, but uh, it feels like that at times, to get people that are coming through and saying, man, we love the same Jesus that you love. I want to speak under this subject, when grace convicts. When grace convicts. Um, we're so excited, and, and I know this is a thanks. You didn't say anything about Thanksgiving. This is a Thanksgiving service? Amen. So we, we're thanking God for what he has done over the the past year uh, here at, at Red Door. And it's so easy to be cynical, right? It's so easy not to be thankful um, for a couple of reasons. One, because we don't see what God is doing. But another reason, I think it's because we, we, we see Jesus in a different way. I think we, we know him in a different way. We don't know him for who he truly is. Or we might know him in an imbalanced way, um, I should say. I think a lot of us, if we were to be us to say, is God good? Is God gracious? A lot of us would say, amen, intellectually. But actually, if we look at how we respond after we've sinned and after we've missed it, I think we would be shown that we actually don't believe that he's gracious in our personal lives. Dane Odlin, who wrote the book, A Gentle and Lowly, says something about this, about why he wrote the book, and I believe it's the heart of what Um, the text this morning wants to communicate to us. He says, this is a book about the heart of Christ. Who is he? I'm quoting. Who is he really? What is most natural to him? 
What ignites within him most immediately as he moves towards sinners and sufferers? What flows out most freely, most instinctively? Who is he really? Who is Jesus really? And if if I was to add a question, I would say, how does he really feel about us? How does he really feel about us? To put it plainly, does he like us? I know that he loves us. God so loved the world. But does Jesus like us? Does he like me? If I were to answer this question, not just by giving an intellectual answer, but looking at how we respond, I think most of us would say, Jesus is tired of us. Jesus is tired of me. I am just one more sin from a major hiding. Like if I just sin again, I know that he's going to cancel me, right? Same way that Twitter cancels people like Jesus is going to cancel me right now. That's how bad I am. If he truly was to find out the kind of person that I am, when nobody is watching, he would want nothing to do with me. He would cancel me. But as you read the Gospels, as you follow Jesus, as he interacts with people, we see a different picture of Christ. As we see him interacting with normal people who are perfect, who say more than they should, who, who are ungrateful, people who are unbelieving, people who are inconsistent, right? People who don't live up according to what they should be. You find him incredibly gracious. Incredibly gracious, which goes against everything that we've been told of how he is. There's a song that says, I've heard a thousand stories, right? Of what they think you like. Um, But you're a good, good father. And so it's important for us to keep on reminding ourselves, to keep on seeing the real Jesus as to who he is. As Oatland says it, he is gentle and lowly. You find him nuanced with how he deals with different people. With the woman at the well, um, she was amazed by how Jesus was a prophet. But at the same time, she was willing, he was willing to speak with her. How Jesus was a rabbi. But at the same time, the Bible says he had to pass through Samaria. He makes time specifically for her. With Zacchaeus, he's amazed that you know, Jesus is willing to have a meal with somebody who's a tax collector. right? Somebody who was controversial back in the days. Somebody who was busy taxing, taking some of the taxes of the Jews and giving them to the Romans. Something that, says that, that, that the Jews would consider that person to be controversial. But Jesus says, I want to spend time with you, Zacchaeus. I want to come to your house. With Peter, I believe he was convicted by grace. He sees Jesus as this person that he's not worthy to be around. And he sees grace. I see an unusual gracious way that Jesus draws Peter as a picture for us to know who he is. Firstly, I see grace in how he invites Peter. I see grace in how he seeks for him, grace in how he provides for him, grace in how he calls him. Firstly, how, how Jesus invites Peter. Let's, let's get to our text in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is teaching. It's still the early part of his ministry, his healing. In the previous verses, we see him healing Simon, Peter's mother-in-law. We see him driving out um, demons in the previous section. Um, He's busy showing grace. He's busy going around and showing people who he is. Um, but there's, there's something that happens here as, as then we begin to encounter uh, Jesus encounters Peter. It says, now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was 
standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little distance from the land. He sat down and continued teaching the crowds from the boat. And so Jesus is moving around. It says in the previous section, his main aim was to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He's busy preaching the gospel, but yet he still finds time to deal with people like Peter, to deal with people doing normal lives. People that are tired, right? They've just worked all night. They've been trying to catch fish. They didn't have any luck. And Jesus is busy having a mission. But at the same time, he says, you know what? Let me give time and let me, let me, let me, let me, let me come closer to, to, to someone like Peter. Peter is a fisherman by trade. He's been fishing all night with no success in the day. They are tired, right? They're tired. They haven't had any luck with catching any fish. Jesus is on assignment to teach, but he has time to care about the fisherman's needs. How amazing is this? Isn't this grace? Isn't this grace? You know, this morning, I, and it's not always, it doesn't happen that way. Normally, Sunday mornings are the craziest in our house. I don't know why, when we're coming to church. And so as I was thinking about this, my, I, I was going out, and I, I was just picking my ears, and then my, my second born, you know, it says, Daddy, why are you picking your ear? I'm like, I don't know, something is wrong with my. And then we're late. I, I have to get you on time. And like, we're getting out. And then my son says, Dad, let me, go, let me get you an earbud. And something in me normally would have said, no, no, we don't have time. We have to go. But he goes and he gets an earbud and he says, use this to pick your ear. And I thought that was so gracious. I thought that was so amazing that he would actually look at my needs and, and, and be concerned about that. And, and, and like I say, I don't normally act that way. <laughs> It's just, I'm thinking about this whole thing of grace. I, I'm starting to see grace everywhere because of this message. And so the, the, they're washing their nets. They're tired. They've been working all night. Jesus takes Peter's boat. He takes it to teach people on the shore. There's already grace there. Amen? Jesus is on a mission, but, but, but he's slowly drawing him to himself. He has a mission with this man called Peter. And he wants to do something with him, and he's going to do something as he comes closer to him. Must have been surprising for the fishermen to have Jesus using their boat, right? How, how, how crazy is that, that he would want to use Peter's boat? He finds fishermen tired. He finds them weary. He finds them ready to go home, but he's still seeking them out. Notice how he seeks, he seeks them. Verse 4, he says, Now when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. Simon responded and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down your nets. Jesus is asking something that's totally impossible in the natural. They've finished fishing, they've found nothing. They are fishermen, right? They know that the best time to catch the fish is towards the evening when the fish would come towards the shore. They were experts at fishing. Jesus says, put out your net, your net for a catch. Peter looks at the situation from a natural point of view like we always do, right? This is what we always do. When God sets us and, and he wants us to do a certain appointment, we answer according to what we have. Lord, I don't have the resources. Lord, I'm sick. Lord, I don't have the money. Peter puts out, 
the net, not because he's confident it will work, but he puts it out just because Jesus said so. He's doing it because Jesus said so. Look at the supply in verse 6. He says, and when they had done this, they had caught a great quantity of fish. Their nets began to tear, so they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats to the point where it was beginning to tear. So it was so much that they couldn't even handle it. So much supply. How is this possible in the natural? I was trying to think about it. How is it possible in the natural? Did Jesus, like, create new fish on the spot? Like, how did, how did he do it? Or did he, did he send a signal to the fish down the bottom and says, come? How, how, how does it happen in the natural? Right? I don't know, but he did it. He did it. He supplied the fish. He supplied for their need. Jesus come through to demonstrate his power over nature. It was to show them that nothing was impossible with him. They understand fishing. They understand what it takes to make it. Jesus uses what they understood to draw them to himself. The miracle wouldn't have made sense to Zacchaeus, right? It wouldn't have made sense to the woman at the world. But for Peter, this was huge. This was huge for Peter. Whilst people are looking at the blessing, Peter is broken by his sin. He's, he's sitting there. He's, not, he's focusing on the blessing. He's, focusing, he's not focusing on the blessing. He's focusing on himself. He looks at the blessing, looks at what Jesus has done, and then he looks at himself. Almost has an Isaiah 6 moment. This is too much grace, Peter is thinking. This cannot be true. Like, no. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down on Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Luke inserts, a commentary for amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. Peter sees the miracle, sees his unbelief, and it breaks him. No law was preached to expose his sin. No threatenings were made to Peter. It was the ridiculous favor of God that broke him. Jesus used his boat and called him as his disciple. He challenged his knowledge of a profession that he was an expert on. He showed him that, that he's even Lord over the sea. What an unusually gracious way to draw somebody. He didn't necessarily need Jesus to visit him like, like how Jesus visited Zacchaeus. He needed Jesus as a provider. Can you say amen? He needed to see Jesus as a provider, and that's what drew him. That's what humbled him, the gracious provision of Jesus Christ. Have you ever had Jesus show you his ungracious, undeserving favor? Has that ever happened to you? Lord, I just messed up big time. Take your spirit away from me. I'm not worthy right now. Jesus shows up and says, no, I still want to fellowship with you. But Lord, I, I didn't even believe you can provide. I didn't even believe you can do it. I didn't even believe that a church can happen, right? Reynard? <laughs> I didn't believe that the vision that God had given can happen. But look at what God does. He still wants to live with us. He still wants to be in our hearts. He likes us. Amen. Didn't even pray. Didn't even read my Bible as I should this week. But you still want to be with me. This happened to me on so many levels. 
uh, even during this time as I uh, think about it. Um, th there's a, a couple of weeks back, uh, an incident happened uh, to me. There's a, there's a lady called, uh, is she part of your church, Namsa? She's part of your church, yeah. So, um, yeah, she, she called me a couple of months back about a lady that she just met on the road who was just asking for food. And, you know, months passed by, and the lady just sent me a voice note and just frantically asking for, 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 for food. And so we looked, we had some parcels that we sent, and then, you know, I took my, my, my car, I took my tears, and I just drove. And as I came to, to the place where she was staying, my car started to break down. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite an old car, and my wife has been telling us to get rid of it, but I have this love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> so don't ask me about, yeah. Um, and so as we're driving there, the car begins to overheat. I'm on the, you know, the main street in Mafias. Kaiser chief supporters, they've just won for the first time. <laughs> they are busy. There's a queue there. They are beep, 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 can you move? And... It was like so overwhelming. And I was just sitting there and I was looking at my car. I was like, Lord, like why is this happening to me? Like this is supposed to be good. I'm trying to get rosaries to somebody, you know, who doesn't have much. And then this happens to me. And then by God's grace, I was able to drive the car. I was able to get to the lady and um, I gave her the groceries. And then I stood on the side and I was just like, you know, having like an Elijah moment. Like, oh, who is me? Oh. Uh, Lord, look at this thing, and you know this is happening. I just sent a text message because it wasn't moving anymore. I needed somebody to come. Told me, just had to send text message to some people. I didn't expect much, and then I got calls, like three or four calls of people saying, "Where are you? Can we come and tow you?" And just as I was dropping the other call, the other person called, and I was so convicted. Like at that moment, I was like, "Lord, look at this situation that right here, that I don't even trust you for." But I look at how you've answered and you allowed so many people to come and wanting to actually help me with my car and tow it. And so it was so amazing to actually see the grace of God in that moment. Maybe because I was so unbelieving. Maybe because I was like not trusting in him. But, but he really showed, he showed uh, favors. It, it's so many levels. Even with the corona situation, like I'm sure some of you have experienced. I mean, praise God for planting a church during lockdown. Can we just clap the... Praise the Lord. My goodness. That doesn't receive grace, doesn't, uh, I don't know what is, but it was the same thing with us. We lost people. People suddenly were not coming. And then we've always wanted to, to plant a church for, for young people and for men, especially in the township. And so we were not seeing that happen. And so, but with this lockdown, all relationships that we had done in the previous two years, suddenly people were saying, where's the church? Where are you guys meeting? And right now, we're having so many young people that are coming, so many young fathers, which is un, un, it's not usual in the township, to have a lot of fathers that are coming, say, you know, wanting to hear the gospel, wanting to hear the true gospel. And again, it was the, just the Lord kind of encouraging and, and, and showing grace, favor, that, that, that using a thing like lockdown, right? Something that we would say nothing should happen because of lockdown. But then God showing his grace again. And so that's how you even see with Peter here. Look at how he was graciously called as we close. And likewise, verse 10, it says, And likewise also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus to Simon said, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching people. 
when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they started to follow him. Not only does he provide supernaturally, not only does he call him to be a disciple, but he calls him to ministry. Look at that grace. He says, likewise also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, because you doubted me, you don't qualify to be in ministry. Because you didn't believe me, I'm not going to put you in ministry. Is that what it says? It says, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching people. How do you not follow such a man? How do you not follow such a person? Now, Simon was still going to mess up, right? He probably had more to say than what he should have said. But, and, 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 and we see him is going to betray Jesus later on. But Jesus already called him here, knowing what was going to happen. Jesus does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called, somebody said. He uses mouthy, opinionated, unbelieving people to draw others to himself. If there was a math equation, it wouldn't make sense. How does God use such a person? How is this person a benefit in the core team? Like, that's not the person Reynard would choose, right? Um, you need people that have, have faith, people that are trusting in Jesus. For some, this is bad. This is risky. This is shaky. This is not good. But for some of us, this is precious. This is precious. This is gold, Right? Jesus says, you're now going to be fishing for men. Interesting that he will use their own terminology to describe their new occupation. You're going to be fishers of men. You're going to be toiling night and day, crying not in your own strength, and crying for Jesus to save other men now. That's what you're going to be doing now, Peter. This is an assignment that Jesus gives to Peter. Jesus is not like any other person you know. He doesn't save you and throw you out there expecting to fish by yourself. He invites us. He seeks us in the midst of the crowd. And he points to you and says, you are mine. You are mine. He doesn't just expect you to believe, but he shows you how he's different. Some of you went through a lot this year. You went through a lot this year. Some of us should have lost our minds, right? It's been so crazy. I believe the reason why God saved you is not just so that you can say thank you, but it's to, it's to examine yourself, look at him and give him your life. And, and, and give the person who protected you your life. Look at the person that provided for you. It was not by a coincidence that, that you were alive, that you didn't lose your mind this year. We're celebrating what God is doing here at Red Door Church. He's building his church as he promised to. So I want to say to Red Door Church, keep on looking to Jesus. Keep on looking to Jesus, Red Door. Be amazed at who he is. Remember, God does not use us because we have everything together. He uses people from different age groups, different tribes, different background cultures to draw others to himself. In spite of our weaknesses, he continues to be faithful. Maybe you're here and you feel like, I'm not worthy enough to be a Christian. I'm not worthy enough. Maybe you know, you're not a Christian, maybe. And you're sitting here, it's like, I think I need to get myself together first before I become a Christian. I'm not worthy yet. And here's the shocking answer. You're right. You're not worthy. But Jesus is. 
and he wants you just as you are. He paid the price on the cross so that you and me can have fellowship with him. And that fellowship is not based on how good and how consistent, how keeping your end of the bargain it is. It is based on his faithfulness and his goodness. Listen to what the same Peter says years later in his epistle about how he views his salvation. And this is where I'll close. First Peter chapter 1. Let's just go there. First Peter chapter 1. After Jesus has worked on him, after Jesus has shown him a couple of things, after he's seen grace, look at what he says in chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, right? It's mercy, it's, it's, it's grace. It's not just how your resolve of saying, Lord Jesus, I am not going to betray you. It's not going to happen by your strength, Peter. It's grace. He says, blessed be him who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are protected by the power of God. So I believe he's beginning to understand that it's by grace. That heaven is by grace. Salvation is by grace. All of life is by grace. And I pray that you will also begin to understand how that grace convicts us. That it's not just about what we do for God, but it's what he has done. And it's us looking at him and keep on being impressed by what he's doing. And then him changing us as we behold his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for grace. Thank you that it's not by works. Oh, Lord, how messed up will the system be if it was by works, if it depended on us? Um, thank you for just overwhelming us with your grace. Thank you for overwhelming even this church. Just, just, this is a work of grace, just what we see here. And we pray that more people will experience this grace um, during the festive season and next year as Red Door continues, more people will, will, will be in contact and, and more people will see Jesus. More people will, will actually be impressed with Jesus as you use the people here to show off Jesus, to show off this, this ridiculous, abundant favor that none of us deserve. May we show him off that even in our weakness, even when we don't make it, may people still say, but you know what? I want you, Jesus. I want the person that you're worshiping. I pray, God, that I know that you're enough for us. I know that we are all that we need. May you continue to fill us with your, with your grace. May we, may we be gracious, Lord, even to each other. May we use this to show grace, Lord. May we be patient. May we be uh, easier to, to forgive, easier, Lord, to, to not deal with people according to their sins, according to how they've messed up. May we look at people and remember how you dealt with Peter. You didn't see his mess up, but you, 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 you actually spoke into his destiny. You spoke into his life and said he will catch men. I pray that we'll be those kinds of people that will be known more by grace than those that God are just keeping people according to the law. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.